Tell me something, fella. What's going on? Shit. I've been here too long. Talk to me. Yeah, just give us a minute, okay? No, I ain't got no more minutes. Here, check this out. I want you to see something. You can't get no cleaning in this here. Look here. He's a very popular cigarette with the children. You know what this is in here? You know what this is? This is a federal tax stamp. You can't beat that. You can't get no cleaning in that. Talk to me. Tell me something. So why don't you keep me going to the business yourself? Yeah. Hey, look, man, don't jerk me off, all right, man? Jerk somebody else off. This is bullshit. I need I need $5,000, not a $2,000 thing, man. Don't do this to me. I can't look, do nothing with that. You know, you want to be a fucking asshole, you can take the whole load and smoke them yourself in the pocket. I, I got, don't smoke I like a strike. I, I smoke to. king size king. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg. And tonight we are talking about Beverly Hills Cop 1984. It is a good movie. (laughs) That sounded better in my head before I did it. (laughs) I just thought of doing that. It sounded pretty good in my head. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 1984 was a good year, Greg. <laughs> uh, yeah, 1984. Some was good things good came out of that year. Yeah, outside of movies, not much happened. Oh, I, I respectfully disagree. <laughs> there was at least one cute baby board. Carol Tan. At least two cute babies My board. My wife. And your podcast wife. Ah, Carol. <laughs> Tristan. Yeah. I came out the same year as Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. I didn't make quite as much money, but it was also cheaper to make. Yet. Yeah, yet, yet. Yet. What, with all the advertising revenue that's coming our way? Yeah. (laughs) A tumbleweed just rolled across (laughs) the studio. (laughs) Okay, Beverly Hills Cop, budget of $15 million, 1984. It grossed a How many? massive one five or five one five yeah one fifteen five. which is these movies there's not a lot of money it's in pretty some lean of these. hey and the practical effects is cars crashing and if not for budget why are we doing these digital things Filmed like let's Detroit crash more cars in part yeah maybe they did the car crashes in Detroit that's cheaper <laughs> they just, cars around the Detroit they just area. held cameras and waited for a car crash the oh. return though this is massive three hundred and sixteen million dollars this was. I mean, I'm spoiler alert when we get to top tens, but this was the highest grossing R-rated film What's of that time. Highest grossing? Highest grossing R-rated, R-rated film R-rated until film. The Matrix Reloaded. So for a long time. So surprises me. With sure, inflation, with inflation. Well, there's a couple of good shooty, shooty bang bang scenes, but it, there's no titty. Oh, they got a strip club. This is, no, light one on. of my points, we're jumping way ahead here, but one of my things that I found in re-watching this was that it's a lot more brutal you don't see movies like this now. If the modern movie of this would be Kevin Hart and The Rock and hijinks, you know, like it wouldn't so much be okay. Well, the shooty, reason, shooty, blood, bang, splatter, boobs. I think the reason for that is it was a it was a, it was the first ever. We go to this. We're jumping ahead. Yeah, it's the first evolution out of raw action into action comedy. You're damn right. You're damn right. But let's come back to that. Yeah, let's come back to that. All right, three sixteen mil, massive, big movie. What I didn't realize was how much of a drop-off it was over the sequels. Because, I, I mean, I know the first one's the best, but I didn't realize it was this significant. So part two only grossed 153 mil, <laughs> and part three only <laughs> four. <laughs> Please. <laughs> You're beatboxing so upsetly. <laughs> um, part three only 42 mil. 
But yeah, like I said, spoiler alert, this was obviously the number one movie of the year. What's the Greg 10? Give me the Greg 10 of 84. Uh, my top 10. I tw- think it's going to be very close. Has 12. Oh, what a year. Oh, if, some of if, them are slim. If I may indulge. <laughs> so I'll pump these out pretty quickly. Yeah. Because there's so many of them. Yeah. This is Spinal Tap, Police Academy, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters, Gremlins, Conan the Destroyer, Never Ending Story, Purple Rain, I don't like the movie so much, but the song, Amadeus, The Terminator, Nightmare on Elm Street, and of course, Beverly Hills Cop. Okay, you got quite a few, quite a few. So Beverly Hills Cop is in there at number one, Ghostbusters number two. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, number three. Gremlins, number four. Great picture. Great picture. Uh-huh. Karate Kid, number five. Oh, Karate Kid 2. No, Karate Kid 2 was in the next one. Oh, Karate Kid 1 was in this list? Yeah, Karate Kid 2 was in the... Um... Oh, that's blatantly in my list. I would have to take... I'd take out Purple Rain because... You're right. That's. I had that in Notable Prince. but not in top ten. Yeah. Uh, Police Academy, number six. Footloose, number seven. Romancing the Stone, number eight. Oh, Police Academy. Did I say Police Academy? Yeah, yeah, you know, can say yeah. Police Academy. Sorry. Star Trek 3, The Search Those for are, Spock. Re, fuck, these Star Treks do well, hey? Yeah. I never, I never got nah, into it. No, nah, I didn't never. know that this was really... I thought it was a subculture. This feels more mainstream. Yeah, more mainstream than I gave it credit yeah. for, yeah. Um, Splash number 10. But yeah, you, you listed quite a few notables that would have been in my top 10 too, for sure. This um, is Purple tapas. Rain, The Terminator... Gods Must Be Crazy. Ah, We've got to do that. (laughs) That was on TV like twice a day. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be always on. Like I have, I can imagine just sitting in front of the TV not really understanding this whole thing. Yeah, I never knew what was going on. (laughs) Everything was sped up. There's a Coke bottle and that's actually, that's the perfect rewatch. We need to rewatch that and just figure out what the fuck is going on. It's probably horribly racist or something too. I don't know. I just remember that Coke bottle going out that airplane window. Yeah. Little window, the little... Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. Nightmare on Elm Street's in there too. Yeah, so not in the top 10, those ones, but notables. But man, you look at just that top seven, let's say top seven, Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose. What a year. Yeah. Back when movies meant something. Man, that's... What a year. What, but think of all the imagination and yeah, fantasy and... But outside of outside of Indiana Jones, they were fresh IP, right? Like, yeah, new, yeah. Huge. If you look at the top 10 this year, there's like one movie that's it, not a Marvel. franchise. Yeah. It's not, one movie that's not Marvel. Yeah. Or, or, a fan, or some kind of yeah existing IP of some kind, yeah. Oh, crap. Do you remember watching it? So, I think I watched three first, actually. Three first? Because, I mean, I was born this year. I did not watch this um, at six months old. But I... I Eleven? It must have, in hindsight, it must have been when three came out, maybe, at home, watching it at my mate's place. And then I think I retroactively went through them in reverse yeah. order. Yeah. I think, I think I remember thinking Beverly Hills Cop 1 looked too old. So, I think yep. it took me a while to get there. Yep. But then once I did... I was very handsomely rewarded <laughs> with comedy and <laughs> and uh, Judge Reinhold, yeah. Rose Rosemount, Rose Gold. No shit. <laughs> no, Rosewood. Rosewood. But the, the oh, he calls him the wrong name. Yeah, yeah. I fell into Rosemount. the gag backwards. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Lol. Yeah. So I think I saw three first. My number one memory of this whole thing, this whole franchise, is Salch. 
<laughs> I, I I was obsessed with Sarge. Sounds like a detergent. I was obsessed from Beverly Hills Cop Three. Me and my mate Jono would just walk around surging, do it surging our tits off. Like I don't care. I wear steroids. I wear steroids. Yeah, we did that at work. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We were just ago. that became just a hardcore part of my vernacular. Yeah, Sometimes we just say suits. Suits. When we didn't care. That's only my personal trainer. But yeah, so he's only he's in three and one. That's right. Why would you not have him back for two? He was busy. Serge. He was busy being Serge. bulky. I'm gonna I'm gonna go deep on him a little bit later. Not that deep. Just a little <laughs> toe in the water Serge on bronze. One is actually better than Serge three. In hindsight, yes. Yeah. It's a bit over it's a bit much in the third one. Yeah. And the, the first, first one, one is it's just subtle. it's who is this guy? Especially at the time. He, he was a nobody. It. He was a nobody. He just now. He didn't exist, I'm sure. He was a nobody. It's still very good now. It's, it's great now. I was. I thought that was going to be the number one thing to be outdated. And that's his whole thing was it's it's supposed to be a non-existent accent. It's supposed to not be a real human, <laughs> like basically. He's just a crazy man. <laughs> oh, it's the timing. Oh, it's, it's great. With his the way face, he just looks at him up and down a little bit. He's perfect. It's so great. So great. She's very busy today. All right, let's yeah, get her. We're going to. She's very busy. Moving on. We're on espresso. Make it with a lemon twist. Um, we're going to be surging throughout this. <laughs> um, the song. Ba, 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 ba. That's a big deal. Yeah, I always remember deal. that. Axel F, of course. Yeah. And yeah, I, I I would probably also say that this might be my favorite Eddie Murphy movie Ooh. as just kind of the the quintessential, the one that just kind of is straight down the middle. You get a bit of everything, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy has, he's got pretty good range, hey? Like even in this movie, when he's like, when he has his yes. serious moments. Yes. I, I think that was the biggest thing in rewatching it today. Yeah. I'm like, I'm buying it. He's the package. He is, can and he can sing, sing too. He can sing real good. His album sucked balls, but he can. Yeah. My girl wants to party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. Yeah. And it sounds worse than that, even. What about you? What, how, did you watch this? Not when it first uh, came out, but. I watched number two first, so. Ah. Which makes sense. I'm a little older than you. Yep. Yep. Um, my friend at high uh, primary school, Emmanuel. Was like, do you want to watch Beverly Hills Cop Two? I'm like, what's that? And he's like, how do you not know what that is? It's like the best movie. Yeah. And he thought I was a bit of a battler. I thought he was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, so we watched number two. So I watched number two like a lot, and then fuck, exactly the same experience. Watching one, I was like, oh, this is kind of old. It's a bit old. Yeah. Number yeah. two is a bit newer. Yeah. But then, yeah, absolutely. Hindsight, it's a pretty perfect movie. Yep. I would say. Agree. On that note, should we hit him with a trailer? Should we just warn that this is going to be one of those love fest episodes? It's a love fest. Or we're, we're just dripping member berries in and around our mouths. So if you don't actually like this movie... Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> How do you like this movie? Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop. <laughs> on vacation in Beverly Hills. I just got off the phone with an Inspector Todd in Detroit. He says if you're out here investigating the Tandino murder, you needn't bother coming back. I don't want to take it anymore. I'll For a man who claims to be on vacation, you look a lot like you're on a stakeout. Stakeout? No, no. I'm picnicking. This is like a picnic area. I have to ask you some questions about Michael Tandino. 
I've never been to a cell that had a phone in it. Can I stay for a while? Because I ordered some pizza. We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. May I help you? Yeah. I'm looking for Victor Maitland. I have nothing to say to you. your badges and your guns and you're on the job, right? Make sure we get the right drinks, because if I drink club soda, I'll throw up. You know, this is the cleanest and nicest police car I've ever been in in my life. This thing's nice in my apartment. I just bet you are the pride of your department in Detroit. <laughs> Seems painfully obvious you haven't the slightest idea who you're dealing with. I don't know what y'all think I am, killing some kind of fool. Hurry up, quicker! Crawl back to your little stone in Detroit before you get squashed. You do that again, I'll shoot you myself. Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> What a movie. What a movie. How's the rewatch for you? Glorious. Yeah. I've rewatched it. Look, I'll be honest, I've watched this a few times. I've watched I it a few times as an adult, but for a while, yeah. It's been, a couple, for a it's been probably five years, maybe, yeah, for me. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. It's probably similar. And I would say culture moves pretty fast. I was a little worried it wouldn't hold up. Like, I thought there may be some problematic things in there. And if you're going to nitpick, there probably are a few bits and pieces. It hasn't dated nearly as much as some of the other movies we look at of this era. Mm. Um. So nitpicking aside, man, I really loved it. Mm. And it I, really, to your point, it shows straight from the outset, this is only like his third movie or something, but his first massive one where it just shows his range. He can do it, man. Yeah. He can do it all. It's peak It's peak Murphy. You're kind of nestled closely between trading places and coming to America. Yeah, yeah. Um, Golden, The Golden Child, which I love as well. Yeah. I was in like between this and... Coming to America, I think. So I think this was there's trading places and um, forty eight hours. hours before this. Yeah, something else as well, but I haven't seen that. Yeah. So yeah, Pete Murphy for sure. The other thing I noticed is how good the rest of the cast is in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't notice that before. Obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, the married got... coupleness of the two cops. Yeah, I love that Brian vibe. Take it. Apparently, a lot of that was improv too. Heaps of improv. Like even I knew there was Eddie Murphy improv, but I didn't realize how Those much like Judge Reinhold well. is talking about five kilos of meat and bowels or whatever it is. Like <laughs> yeah. that was like the story. I think was um, act like an old married couple and just come up with some lines. Yeah, and they did that. I think they did that in the audition and they wrote it in a script. It's right, fucking cool. cool. How good is that? And he's so he's such a weird guy. <laughs> Judge Reinhold, he's he so odd. He's got an interesting story which we can probably cover off at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the thing for me. Probably. Oh, less Paul Reiser than I thought. He must have more in subsequent movies. He's in two. He drives a Ferrari in one of them, right? That's I was expecting two. that scene in this. Yeah, that's not this. two. And yeah. he's got the girlfriend. He's only in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Would that like, have just been... I like Paul Reiser. He probably wasn't that big then. I, I mean, not that he's... I like him more in this than I did in Mad About You. <laughs> I used to watch that show with my mum. My dad mom. hated it. My mum liked it. We watched it together. There was an episode with Yoko Ono in it. Was there? I remember when when she won her Emmys. 
Because remember, she was just oh, her, she her won hunt. She Oscars, blow- man. She always thanked Paul Reiser. She was like, Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser, Paul Did Reiser. She? Yeah, because she was getting all the fame and she was like, he's the genius. I'm just standing here. Oh, when she was, oh, oh, actually Emmys. It must have been Emmys. Right, yeah. Mm, Interesting. But then she won Oscars. Don't thank him no more at that point. She kicked on. For thank Twister. yourself. For you Twister. earned it. it for Twister. Him. For Twister, I, I assume. I'm not going to look that up. Let's assume it was for Twister. Yeah. As good as it gets. As good as it gets? Yeah. Yeah, because they both won. Did they? Yeah. Jack won and he said he got you up. make and he, me want to be a better person. He got up and he said, I had a sinking feeling all night that Titanic was going to win. <laughs> <laughs> what a great uncle. In his sunnies. <laughs> yeah. In his fucking wayfarers. Oh, man. Uh, what a legend. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get some 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 Jack movies coming at some point. Absolutely. Maybe The Shining even. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, more brutal than I thought. Again, like thinking about movies these days, you don't really see that so much. A, studios don't really do R-rated movies very often. Like Deadpool was the exception that blew up. And they're like, oh, maybe we can make R-rated movies and make lots of money. But the general mm. rule is you rate it as low as you can to maximize your box office dollars. But would would Beverly Hills Cop be R in today's con? Like, yeah, maybe not. Censorship but you wouldn't see. I found like when his friend got killed in the beginning, that was quite. Was I wasn't expecting raw, that. Wasn't yeah, it? I wasn't expecting that. It's still raw. Yeah, so that's what I mean. I think it would still be R. Yeah, that that was right. pretty. That's a good point. I was like, whoa. I, that was the first it's, moment it's where I was like. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Because yeah, it's, it's actually kind of brutal. Weak. It's that whole. Um, and maybe it's traces of what the movie was originally supposed to be, maybe. Yeah, sure that's we'll a good into. point. Maybe that's there's still point. evidence of that. Is it? Well, before we get into that, yeah, any other initial like ahas from the rewatch for you? Oh, man, that's it for me. I think yeah. it's like, yeah, how good's Eddie Murphy? And, well, actually, how good's the rest of the cast? Yeah, I had pretty similar notes. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's good and it makes me sad. Because he's, I want him to do more, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we alluded to this. This is a really interesting one in how it came about. Isn't it? It's fucking this is crazy. good. Crazy. Crazy. If you're not- Strap yourselves I in. I didn't know this. I heard bits of it. I hadn't. I hadn't heard all the iterations. So, the year was 1977. Don Simpson, a Paramount executive, had an idea about a cop from East LA transferring to Beverly Hills. A conflicting story oh. <laughs> is that, um, oh, what's his name? I forget Eisner. his name. Is it Eisner? Yeah. Michael Eisner, uh-huh. who ended up becoming a Disney guy at some point. He's the Disney guy. It's Bob Iger now, I think. Oh, I get them all mixed up. I thought Michael Eisner, I thought this was a young Michael Eisner. Isn't Michael Eisner the president of Disney? They both were at some point. I don't know which one's the current one. Yeah. Eisner was chairman and chief executive of the Walt now Disney Company. Now it's Iger. Oh, that's confusing. Yeah. So he was the shit one. He was the one that was ruining it. Wow. Yeah, so Iger came in and saved Disney, I think. Right. He's the one that prompted the reverse takeover with uh, Pixar. Because ah, he gets it. He's the one that got along with Steve Jobs and all that shit. Bob Iger. Yeah. So, gotcha. But, so there's also a story that Michael Eisner got pulled over by a cop and it was like, well, what if? And this could be a story. So there's no confirmed um, which one was the correct story. And yeah. there, I guess success has many authors, is the saying. Oh. Um. But, uh, but Don Simpson's an interesting cat himself. Yeah. He produced quite a bit well, with he was, Jerry Bruckheimer. He, yeah, he was one half of probably the most formidable yeah. production duo in Hollywood, really. Oh, right? Actually, speaking of the Iger-Eisner thing, 
I I think I unconsciously thought Bruckheimer and Michael Bay were the same person. I'm not going to say me too. But kind of? Yeah, right? Yep. I I had to, yeah, I did have to look Jerry at the Bruckheimer. same thing. Today. I didn't want Michael to, yeah. Bay. And they overlap because they did Bad Boys. I think there was like a point in culture uh, where I'd heard both their names on similar pro. Yeah, I don't know. And they kind of, the same. they didn't look the same, but there is this kind of a Jerry vibe. Jerry Bruckheimer is older. Yeah. I guess. And then maybe Michael Bay was his like... Protégé? His Jay-Z to his Biggie kind of Yeah, let's just run with that. Yeah. All right, lock it in, guys. That's how it worked. So Jerry Brockheim is the OG and Michael Bay is his protege. (laughs) But yeah, they did... um, Heaps. Simpson and Brockheimer did Top Gun, Dangerous Minds, Bad Boys, Flashdance, all kinds of shit. Days of Thunder. Oh, yeah, Days of Thunder, yeah. Interesting. So this idea germinated. Yeah. First write-up gets done by Danilo Bach, Batch Bach, called Beverly Drive. And it was about a cop from Pittsburgh named Ellie Axel. Ellie Axel. Hmm. And it was straight action, kind of stalled, didn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. Don Simpson went on to make Flashdance, which was a big success. He's like, hey, what happened to our, our Beverly Hills project? Um, brings in Daniel Petrie Jr. of Turner and Hooch fame. Uh-huh. And Toy Soldiers film we've got to do. I'm a big fan of Toy Soldiers. Huge. Not small soldiers, Toy Soldiers. Huge. Big fan, huge. Sean Austin. Yeah. Back when he was a leading man. Still is in my heart. Damn right. All right, so at this point, Daniel Petrie Jr. comes in, changes the lead character's name to Axel Ellie instead of Ellie Axel, apparently. Nice. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Uh, that's why you get paid the big bucks. A rebranding exercise. The role was offered and accepted by Mickey Rock. Yeah. First and foremost, he had a 400k holding contract. So basically, he gets paid 400 grand, and that had a time limit on it, and that expired. So he keeps 400 grand and no longer committed to the role. He moves on to other projects. Didn't happen, but he's 400 grand richer. Fucking great. That is pretty ideal. At this point, apparently, some of the powers that be wanted Eddie Murphy. Uh, This is where it gets a little bit foggy. But parallel conversations had happened with a Mr. Mr. Stallone. So, Stallone's in the picture. Stallone's got some ideas. In the picture for the picture. Yeah. Stallone does a dramatic rewrite. Whatever comedy had saved in at this point is is strictly Gone. is stripped out of the picture. I think he was saving all his comedic. I think he was saving all his lines for "Stop or my mum will shoot." Yeah. We get our third uh, version of Axel's name at this point. Axel Capretti. Oh, there we go. That's Axel Capretti, and Michael it. Tandino was his brother. Is Michael the guy that got killed? I guess. Yeah. So that was his brother. Yeah. So now it's personal. Yeah. He looks a little bit like Hank Azaria. Hundred <laughs> percent. I thought the same thing. I think I even wrote it down. I kept I thinking of it. All right. So Axel Cabretti. This is how Stallone talks about his version. All right. Looks like nobody's seen from Saving Private Ryan on the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I was enjoying it. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, he had all these action scenes jammed in there. Um, eventually Parabout's like, dude, <laughs> stop killing. we people. can't afford this shit. What are you doing? And so that all falls apart two weeks before shooting. Two weeks before shooting? Sometimes I doubt 
the internet on factual accuracy, but it seems but to be a thing. Factual hyperbole. Mm. Beverly, the first Beverly Hills Cop was uh, really a vehicle for Sylvester Stallone. Really? Who was at that time in 84 Paramount's biggest star. Yes. He's just come off of Rocky. And uh, Beverly Hills Cop was originally a drama. Uh, I was cast. Stallone had to approve me because I was taller. Then he rewrote sequences of the film, Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. One of the things, he, he, he took it on himself to write this. It was a great sequence. It was just too expensive. Going down Rodeo Drive, the most expensive street in L.A. or maybe the country. Right. And he, he has Axel slamming into Bentleys and Rolls Royces, <laughs> and it was like millions of dollars, you know. And so the studio said, oh, my gosh, we can't do this. It's just too much, and we weren't going to spend this much on the movie. Yeah, so a lot of his version of this movie mm. made it into a film that would eventually be called Cobra, Cobra which um, was in the 1986. Was we just it, talked about that. in in L.A.? Yeah. Well, and then full circle, in Beverly Hills Cop 2, Rose Wood, he has a Cobra poster in his house house and he's got a big gun like yeah it's, i remember that i didn't get that layer from my to childhood it. but it how cool was that like how they couldn't be more different but they came from the same place that's yeah that's it's one of those crazy. cool weird stories i wonder if this genre would it must have come about to exist in another way but yeah yeah i mean well so uh confession time i haven't seen 48 hours but i always imagined it to be in a similar vein to this yeah. would i be off Nick Nolte, right? Yeah, that's before this. I think it's maybe it's just a bit rawer, right? Less yeah, comedy. Okay, so this is fresh at the time. This yeah, is fresh. this is it. Yeah, this is like the first mainstream successful action comedy. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of a beautiful accident. Yeah, it's, uh, so, so Murphy gets involved, but this is already two weeks out of shooting, right? So Murphy gets involved. It's coming off Forty Eight Hours, Trading Places, like we said, kind of brought in to save the day. Um, Petrie comes back in to finalize a version of the draft uh, of the script that makes sense for this casting choice and stripping out the Stallone stuff. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Director Martin Brest is brought on, but even though the script was sharpened, a lot of it really got to that next level through Murphy on set improving, and not just Murphy, but a lot of them improving. Judge Reinhold and um. The other guy that looks Taggart. like Post Malone, Taggart. I like how we call Reinhold, Judge Reinhold, like by his real name, but then all my notes say Reinhold and Taggart. <laughs> Same. And there's never going to be consistency on this. We just, we're just a couple of guys, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> we have no authority here. <laughs> we have no right. We have no right. We have no right to talk be- about movies and decide, make a ruling on whether this movie deserves to exist. Zero. Just a couple of guys. Zero. And, you know, along that path, we're going to make some calls. Some people will be called by their character names, some by their actor names. Some and that's by why we end up... names that we've made up on the spot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And <laughs> so Murphy, Yo. Murphy's Ooh. in there. Murphy's on set. Murphy is ad-libbing his tits off. He's having a great time and making funnies along the way. The, probably the most iconic one is a super cops uh, monologue he does, <laughs> which is apparently... Okay, so there's backstory on this one. I don't know... If you've ever heard this, I'd never heard this, but apparently Murphy doesn't take drugs of any kind. No, I knew that. You really? Yeah. So he's straight edge, including caffeine though. And so oh, the set in the in the LAPD was really hot and he was getting really tired 
and they're like, do you want some coffee? coffee? And he's like, nah, I didn't do that shit. And then eventually he had some, and then he comes in all hyped up and does that super cop scene. Yeah. I know he was a big anti-drugs guy. I don't know the full context of the story, but I know that from the Saturday Night Live days, Yeah, he didn't actually go to the... Reu- there was a big reunion in like, I don't know, 90s or something. It's like a 30-year reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he went to the most recent one, I think. Did he? He didn't go to the one. I remember thinking... He had beef with uh, David Spade. Was it just David Spade? I thought it was the whole thing as a result of David Spade. Yeah, right. He didn't like... David Spade was doing the weekend update and there were, he had the photo up of Eddie Murphy and Vampire in Brooklyn and said, look, kids, it's a fading star. And oh. that, that became like a whole thing. He's like, that's fucking disrespectful. How dare you? He's SNL royalty, man. Yeah. I, but take a joke. like. Yeah, right. I thought it had something to do with the drug, the drug culture as well. There's probably a bit of that too. I don't know the specifics, but essentially, obviously, SNL has had... There's a lot of late huge, nights. Drug culture, obviously. You got you know, your Belushi's, you got your Farley's. Correct. So yeah. you know they've lost lost some um, some of their stars over the years, and I know that a lot of the stars were having yeah. huge amounts of like the the stories about Belushi's coke consumption. Like he he was apparently having like table lengths lines of coke before performing. Fuck. Anyway, and and. Eddie was obviously anti all that. You're right. I don't know the details. That's kind of right, but yeah, you can imagine, and especially in that time, everything was probably pretty loose, and yeah, and he, he was probably just not. Which that. is funny. Like I would just assumed he was, yeah, whatever, whatever, was like like everyone else. Yeah, I never. Well, I just never thought about it with him specifically. Yeah, kind of nice respect. Mm. Um, but yeah, in any case, should we talk about? You know what we need to talk about? Yes, there's a lot of great supporting cast in here, but we've alluded to this before. One of our favorites, Mr. Bronson Pincho, Pinchot, Pincho, uh-huh. Sarge. 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 What I didn't realize was this was pre-Balky. Pre-Balky. So Perfect Strangers, it seems like he got the show Perfect Strangers off the back of Sarge. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Perfect Strangers happened after this. Uh-huh. The show is right. off the back of this. He well, plays- that's why he couldn't do number two. Is that why? He was closing the Balky deal. <laughs> This is becoming one of my favorite Greg catchphrases. <laughs> Lally Appleton. I loved Perfect Strangers. I loved it. Yeah. And it's it's one of my favorite. We talked about this. Hey, how I like to watch sitcom themes. It cheers me up. <laughs> this is one of my number ones. This is one of my favorites. Have you got it? Yeah, of course I do. Fucking how can this it. not cheer you up? Nothing to rearrange Sometimes you just Get a feeling like you need Some kind of change No matter what the odds are This time Nothing's gonna stand in my way This flame in my heart Like a long lost friend Gives every dark street a light at the end
Perfect Strangers. That's in there with my favorite of the sitcom themes. They all got the same voice. It's also delightful. If you're having a stressful day, lay back, close your eyes, put those on. Cheers me up every fucking time. There step by step, Golden Girls. Wellness tip. Wellness tip for you guys. Man, trust Thank me. You for it's being so good. Devil down the road and back again. Ba, 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 ba. My heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Ba, 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 ba. Thank you for being my friend. Mr. Bronson went on to. Oh, you know, this guy had balls. He was an unknown. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I've got to go to Italy soon, guys. <laughs> like, I mean, you don't get the ball rolling, I'm out. He's going to walk I mean, on this got movie like six lines in this. for a holiday in Italy. What a baller. But, anyway, he does this. He does Balky. He's not even, he's a cameo. <laughs> yeah. a cameo. What, a well, yeah, part, he had, he had even a smaller say. role and they, they were like, this guy's good. They made it a bit yeah, bigger. Yeah, that other guy that comes in. Poor chest hair guy gets relegated to yeah. the butt of his joke. Yeah. <laughs> And what's it's he say? So it's so good. It's sexy. It's animalistic. It's, it's barbaric. so good. You know what I think really makes it work is that at first he's very off putting, but then he actually seems to really like Axel. And I think that's what's endearing about it. He seems to get really supportive. Like, no, I cannot. They, they said, we, you know, we need, we need something. Because we've got this character and it's, it's you know, it's just like a kind of a, an art gallery thing. And, Three jokes and uh, but you got anything? And I said I, I, I have I have this, and you know I, I did that character and they said we want that and I said I don't even know if I want to do it. I, it might be too over the top or something. And they said just do that. And so I did that. That was Serge. That was Serge. Oh uh, Brunson, like what a fucking dude, fucking great. Oh, makes me so happy and excited. Love it. Mm. Love it. Should we talk about his boss? The, uh, yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I tried to do a little bit. Of, so he's he's the captain in Detroit. His original boss. He is an actor by the name of Gilbert Hill or Gil Hill. Yeah, Inspector Todd. So I looked him up because he's he's got presence, man. Like his voice and his yeah stare. And I thought I knew him from other things, but Same, apparently I just, not. I said, yeah, he's in stuff. What is it again? He's what is it? Other Beverly Hills movies, but, but apparently not. Yeah, yeah. He he's just a guy. He's yeah. an actual cop. Apparently. He was a cop in Detroit. Yeah, like when they were cop. when they were checking out the 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 shooting locations or whatever. They're like, this guy's great. Maybe he can act. <laughs> like it was one of those moments. But he's, he's amazing. He's, like, he's so really good. good. Why did he not? Do I it? did notice before I read that. I did actually notice this genuinely. Was in one of the wider shots. It looked like he kind of didn't know what to do with his arms, oh, really? which is kind of what I would feel like acting. <laughs> I would I'd be like, "What I do I you feel like that generally?" Yeah. <laughs> what do I do with these long things? Like me at a hip hop concert. <laughs> I like to rest them on my upper belly, like yeah. like uh, Steven Seagal. That's what I was there for. <laughs> um, that's fucking cool, man. Fucking cool. cool. And I think he continued being a cop and everything too. So he acted in these movies, but that was just on the side. I think he ran for mayor or something. Good. Yeah. Good. He's passed away now. Oh, what? Yeah. Less I mean, good. I guess he was quite old. I didn't read the detail. Mm. Yeah. So he was great. Victor Maitland. The bad guy. The bad guy. Yeah. He is good. He's Steve good. Burkoff. Yeah. Did you know, in case you were unsure of his bad guy pre- credentials? Oh, uh, yeah. He has been a Bond villain. Ah, that makes sense. In Octopussy. He apparently hates this movie, by the way. 
Does he? Yeah, I read that. <laughs> well, he's a thespian. Uh, yeah, because he's a stage actor. Yeah, is yeah. that what that means? That's what that means. So he's uh, he's also played Hitler. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, he's one of the cops in A Clockwork Orange. He's got a type. So he's pretty good at playing a bit of evil. So he's pretty outstanding. I thought he was brilliant in this. Like just that stare. He's he was evil. good. He wears evil. a nice kimono with a that tie. That kimono was fucking strong. They'll was be back. They'll be back soon. There. We saw this in... Um, what else? I feel like we've talked Roadhouse, about Roadhouse. Kimono yeah. shirt. It's coming. Well, I've seen some kimonos, actually. Yeah, well, you live in Bondi, so... And the Damon Wayne's carrier was pretty awesome. That was good. As the banana man. I enjoyed that. Yeah, he was like 24. He's been around, huh? Mm-hmm. Um... I guess the only other thing pre-getting into plot for me was uh, just acknowledging the song. The song. Axel F. Axel F. What an iconic song, man. I mean, there's not much to say other than a guy named Harold Faltermeyer made it. Um, um, pretty iconic. It got released as a single. Sorry. It made it to number three in could the I US. Just, could I just correct you? His name is Hans Hugo Harold Faltermeyer. I stand corrected. Sounds more accurate. Definitely more names. Yeah. What was that? Triple H. Yeah, that's right. nice. From Munich. Anyway, sorry, go on. Went to number three in the mm-hmm. US. Yep. Number two in the UK. Number six in Australia. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. There's no lyrics in this thing, right? Me, me, me. I could play it on piano back in the day. Uh, that would be the first thing you look up, right? If Back in the day. That, so that guy, we'll call him Hans, he, uh, so he would have been 32 when he did that, which is pretty young, right? Isn't it? I just assume he's a little old. Younger than us. Well, everyone's older than us. That's what when I watch anything, I think everyone's older than us. Yeah, that's just how Maybe I approach life, like and I'm always shocked that people are younger than me. Uh huh. Unless it's sport. but most people I've are accepted, younger than me. I've now. Accepted sport now. Well, that was the first one you have to accept, right? Yeah. Uh huh. I remember that was a thing. I think it was like Sonny Bill Williams or something, and I was like, ah, oh, he's much younger than I. Yeah. Huh. That ship has sailed, and I have a new one every year. And I guess this year it's Hans. It's composers. Composers. Film score composers. I could still be a composer, right? You could. You could def- I, I believe in you. Yeah. Uh, he did Top Gun, and he also did the new Top Gun that's swirling around. So he did those. Tango and Cash he did, which is pretty similar formula to this, the uh, action yeah. comedy. Is he a synthy guy? Is that kind of his I thing? I think he's big on the synth. There was some innovation in this song. It was I can't remember the details, but it was a few firsts, yeah. I believe. Zero instruments. Maybe. Yeah. Should we dive in? Dive into the plot? Yeah, we'll dive into the plot. So, looking at the plot, the opening scene sets the stage somewhat. We are introduced to Axel Foley. He's a fast-talking Detroit cop, something we've never seen before. He's edgy. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. He's badass. Yeah. So, he has this, like, scene where he's basically undercover, pretending to be a hustler selling these cigarettes. Regular cops see him doing it. They think he's closing a closing a cigarette deal. Yeah. And then he gets chased around town. There's like a high energetic 80s track and there's heaps of 80s cops. It's really long, that scene, it's too. It's quite long. Yeah. yeah, indulgent. It's kind of like Blues Brothers. It's, I think it's the second most police cars, 80s police yeah. cars crashed in one scene <laughs> after Blues Brothers. They probably use the same footage maybe just to... <laughs> Felt like it might have been. Um, so then he, you know, he gets caught and then he gets taken back and yelled at by the aforementioned captain, Detective Todd. Captain Todd? Captain Todd. Anyway, anyway, so he gets in big trouble for that. He's basically, he's obviously a really good cop, but he's also, you know, breaks the rules. Breaks <laughs> the rules. Like, break the rules. Anyway, his friend from out of town visits, um, an old sort of buddy of his, 
who uh, sort of shows in these bonds. He's got these like bearer bonds. A real Hank Azaria type. Real Hank Azaria type. They get kind of catch up on old times. They get pretty drunk. They go back to Axel's apartment. Axel's knocked over the head. And a couple of guys rock up who were the owner of these bonds. They're like, come on, man. I thought nobody would notice. Come on. Yeah, just a little bit, eh? And then they kill him. Anyway, so. Jonathan Banks. Yeah, brutal. It's quite a, yeah, it's quite a raw situation. So, uh, listeners, Greg hasn't watched Breaking Bad. So, Mike Erman Trout, or whatever his name is in Breaking Bad, is iconic. He's the bad guy in this. In, he's the, the. He's the stand up man of the. Yeah. He's the muscle of the. Jonathan well, he, Banks, he really grew into his head. He looks better as an old man. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Is he this did guy? You just, did the light just go off? Yeah. On? It's this guy. But yeah, he was yeah, he's right. fucking scary in this man. He is, isn't he? He's got he's that got dead, a real presence. Yeah. Except for when he gets thrown across. And it's the same in Breaking Bad. Like he's table. like, you don't fuck with this guy. He's an old guy in Breaking Bad. He's I don't know why I have to explain this to another human. Everyone's seen this except for you. But he's so he's just got that vibe even now as an old dude. He's probably scarier now, even. He yeah, <clears throat> he looks scary. Yeah. So uh Axel wakes up, he's you know, his best friend's been killed. Yeah. Cops are all there. His captain's there. He's like, don't you go after this? He's trying to say, yeah, I'm going to go get him. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, all right, I'm, uh, I'm going to take some leave. I'm going to take some leave. Anyway, yeah. it turns out he, he's made it explain to him that he'd been living out in LA, working somewhere where he He revealed up. some convenient details, almost yeah. Wayne's World-esque earlier on in the night. And he worked at this art gallery called blah, blah, over on... Uh... Yeah, so <laughs> take a third, take a left on the... What you want to do is... <laughs> go up to level three, third door on the right. Um... <laughs> So he, yeah, he, Axel heads to LA to suss things out. Uh, so he goes down the gallery where his friend said he's working, catches up with his old friend, goes to see Victor Maitland. Victor Maitland's kind of, he means business. He's wearing a kimono. He's got yeah. a nice gallery. He, he's got a very nice legitimate front, but we can tell he's a bad guy. We bad can tell man. he's played Hitler. You can tell. He's got Hitler in he's his got eyes. a real Hitler look about him. He had a kimono. And as we've covered off in other podcasts, kimonos in... Early 90s America or even 80s American films suggest Japan, which means bad. Bad. 400 years of kimonos. Over 400 years. Good. <laughs> um, so then he gets thrown out of there. Thrown out of the window. They threw him out. They Straight out of the window. There's a perfectly good door. And then the police were there waiting for him and they arrested him and he goes to the station. That was almost Simpsons-esque. The way they throw him out the window and they just kind of dust their hands off and walk back in. Like, it was like... Someone, that's your we building. Rep- we represent the estate of Jimmy Durant. Yeah, yes. And then, uh, so yeah, then he meets Taggart and Judge Reinhold. Yeah, and after some racist cops. Or even Taggart's pretty dickish in the beginning, isn't he? Yeah. He punches him, in doesn't the, he? In the bread basket. <laughs> in the bread basket. He's going to start some static. That's a good line. I'm going to say that at the, at the drinking hall. You want to start some static? Start some static. <laughs> Anyway, he's trying to tell them that this something's going on. He keeps digging. He has some hilarity. The crux of this is that he finds his way into places by lying and being deceptive. But they're so good every time, aren't genius. they? Genius. So he rocks up at the hotel. I think this, as a, as a youngin, this was it's well, still really, good. It's so good. Yeah, I, I think this is was one of my primary concerns going into this. Is like either it's not really going to be funny scenes. now. I know some of them have sort of uh, you couldn't do that gay cliches and that kind of thing, but 
They don't actually go that far. Ramon, could you tell him Ramon is here? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, it's not. I just got back from the clinic. The joke isn't that he's gay. Yeah, it's just a character. He's got a character. Yeah, and each time it's so good. And I think so good. as a kid, that was my well. dream to be able to do that kind yeah. of thing. And like, that you could do that. You, all you need is your words. And if you're smart enough, you can. That's his whole bit. It's yeah. like um, poor man in rich man's world. Just, yeah. That's the whole premise of the show, really. I guess so. The parts, the whole but premise, really, I, a as a kid, I was like, oh. It's the best. I, you can do anything if he you He could want. talk his way into the movies. Into the movies, uh-huh. the pictures. No, it's brilliant. Uh, so essentially he spends the time trying to, you know, dig up the dirt on this Maitland character, all the while becoming, gets closer and the, the, the local cops decide they like him and they help him. Yeah. And they're great. They are great. The slow burn, but I think Judge really... So he's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, so apparently he's a bit of a fuck or was a fuckwit. Really? So he a obviously... A bit of a close talker, I've heard. Yeah. So between <laughs> this and number two, he got a, he was obviously a bit part guy and then got uh, more and more famous and he won a, I think he was nominated for an Emmy or won an Emmy for Close Talker in Seinfeld. Right. Two episodes. Well, he was also in Fast Times... Ridgemont yeah, High. Yeah. Time and Gremlins. So he always had these smaller parts. He's in Gremlins as well. Yeah. Ah. But then he um, he apparently he got really big for his boots and he was quite an asshole on He's set. got he one a, gear. Like, he's got one move. But yeah, but it's kind of premised on being a nice guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently yeah. he wasn't. That's so he, 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 he had a, um, like a lead role in a film called Vice Versa in 1988. Right. So actually that was before Close Talker, but he had jumped pretty quickly into being like a big name. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then this movie was had him and Fred Savage and it tanked. Huh. Actually, critical reception wasn't that bad. He's got a 48 in Rotten Tomatoes. Like I've seen worse. Yeah. But apparently it kind of rattled him and he had this big like multi-year... I'm sure he probably had depression, but he sort of described it as just a real awakening on how he was behaving and him being an asshole. Right. And then kind of cruised back into more modest mode. He said the phone stopped ringing. So he apparently used to get heaps, like he was that he was the, heading towards being the it guy. Really? He would have been such an odd it guy. Yeah. But kind of interesting. So I think he kind of got back in his box somewhat. and then Right. Did, Flew a little too close to the sun. I believe so. I believe so. Probably had a pretty good time for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, Foley wins over the trust of the local police department, except their their commissioner or whatever. And he basically, you know, undoes Victor Maitland. They have a big shootout at the end. The shootout goes for a long time too, doesn't it? It does. Do you know what I was reminded? What? That the easiest way, if you walk into a movie late, the easiest way <laughs> to tell between the good guy and the bad guy is the good so who guy. Who actually hits their target? Well, yeah. There's a smaller gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the good guy's got like a six shooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the bad guy has a machine gun. I wrote a note and it's like, why do they keep giving these bad guys machine guns? They obviously don't know how to use them. I like start on a why simpler gun. Because they're just kind of like... <laughs> and they're just like not anywhere. And then Eddie Murphy does a couple of forward rolls and then stands up straight. Yeah, yeah. Stands up fully straight. Fully he's, straight. He's, he's like, erect. He's almost like saying like... Forward roll, stand up. Like it's, there's yeah, so much can, opportunity to action, shoot him. You can see the action 
choreographer. Yeah. Choreographer. Any moment of that is a wide open target. Yeah. <laughs> Just shoot. Yeah. You have a machine gun. Shoot anywhere. It's so You'll bad. probably get him. Oh, so then, like, that's pretty much it. Did I say Taggart looks like Post Malone? Because he does. That's all I have <laughs> on that. It's like Post Malone. Oh, he does look like Post Malone. I mean, that's basically the plot. We glossed over it, but you get it. It's Beverly Hills Cop. Um, the magic isn't so much in the plot as it is in all the jokes. It's fucking great. It's just so balanced. Yeah. Spoiler alert, I think it holds up. There's not a ton it, to say. Hey, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's good. And you know what? There's two more. So if you are bored yeah, and you got a couple of weekends before Game of Thrones starts, you could... I can you could easily And even though the, the others aren't as good, but they're still very watchable. Still very good. I love There's number comfort two. Comfort food, yeah. And, and three... And, and three I watched first, so I just have nostalgia for that big time. I think this is Wayne's World level of holding up probably. Yeah. And I think when I was trying to think of ways to talk about it, I think in the simplest terms, they're still trying to make this movie. Like so many movies come out, they're trying to do this and this is better. I mean, the Rock is... 35 years later. Out. They're trying to make these movies and they can't make these movies. Well, this, as I said earlier, this was like a genre-defining... Yeah. yeah. You know, everything before this was about cops being badasses. Yeah. So the 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 cops' fast-talking lines would go ahead and make my day or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, whatever it was, whereas this was the first time a cop was being a smart-ass and being a bit cheeky. You know, it was the first action comedy, really. Well, first successful one, like... Yeah. Uh, there's a cool quote that Eddie Murphy says, which brings that home it's like you kind of take for granted now but he says he was the first black actor to take charge in a white world on screen that's why i became as popular as i became and that's mm. a pretty interesting way to put it like literally on screen he's like he's a fish out of water scenario but it's, oh, a, it's a black guy taking over a white boss. world like yeah and he's owning it and it's again like i was born in this year so i obviously don't have a good before picture but that's interesting historical context to keep in mind. So even though it may be – there are areas where you can nitpick where it may be outdated in other areas like Bechdel test and that kind of thing. It's fucking strong in this area. Mm-hmm. So give it credit for that. Um, they did try and do a TV show recently. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, so they tried it. CBS is going to do it. It's going to be a procedural, so like a solve a case every week kind of deal. Um, they yeah. did, It was going to be Axel Foley's son, and they did a pilot, didn't get picked up. Good. Oh, so I did read this article. That's a good segue. Essentially, it is a 2012 take on the cast. Oh, yeah. I'm keen for this. Um, Billy Rosewood, Judge Reinhold. Yeah, yeah. This is pretty good, this one. Jason Siegel. Yeah, okay. Good, yeah. Right? He basically is that, yeah. No, that's perfect. Nick Offerman as Taggart. Oh, beautiful. Not bad, eh? Yeah. Never wrote this. Nick Kroll as Serge. Oh, not bad. Well, this being Bronson back, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. you wouldn't. Yeah, of course. But that is, if you had to, yeah, man. It's got Jonathan Banks. Is Zach? Oh, okay. Why does he get to stay? Because he's the actual. Oh, why? Yeah, because he's. I don't know. That's a good question. Because <laughs> keep Serge. Serge. We'll keep oh, the actor. Yeah. Like, why does Jonathan Banks get to stay and none of the others do? I, I didn't write the fucking article, man. Keep going. Um, Sam Rockwell as Mikey Tandino. Yeah. It's good. He's a good deadbeat. Isn't he? Yeah. So this is where it really comes undone. Okay, I'll give you the... Uh, they've got a couple more and then I'll do the last one where it comes undone. 
which is only a cameo bit, but still. They got Kristen Bell as Jenny Summers. Yep. That all checks out. Steve Martin as uh, Lieutenant Borgamil. Hey, uh, yeah. Mm, not the best one. I would say Brian Cranston. Mm, there's something paternal about Lieutenant Borgamil. Have you not seen Malcolm mm, in the Middle? <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking terrible dad. Have you not seen Breaking Bad? Is it even worse, Dad? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is the worst. So these are. All, I thought these were pretty good. I was like, Yeah, that is. That's on point. That's on point. And they're not. Here. They're not lazy. I was like, Here we go. It's going to be some Buzzfeed list or something. Yeah, here. it's not bad. But the worst one is for Damon Wayans. Uh. They've gone. Unfortunately, of course, Damon Wayans has passed away. <laughs> but his son can do it. It's only like two lines. <laughs> they went. They had it so on point. And how what? can they be so? Damon Wayans isn't dead. He's not dead. He's living. How do you know all this and think that Damon Wayans is dead? <laughs> there's never been a fan. Th- there's never been like one of those act. You know those rumors that used yeah, to come out for a while. That's not a fake news. No. Do they think all the actors are dead and that's why they only Jonathan Banks gets to be recast? Oh, I don't know. It kind of it undoes. <laughs> Obviously, all Eddie work. Murphy's dead. So we wait. Who's Eddie Murphy? Who's Aquel? I think just use Eddie Murphy again. Oh, okay. I think we could all agree this holds up, right? We yeah. we're, we're agreed there. I mean, this is a rewatch for me. 100%. I wouldn't reboot it, but I would be open to Beverly Hills Cop 4. Yeah, I think there's... Uh, which there has been rumours of. You hear rumours. You hear rumours for all of them these days. They've been trying for years to get a Beverly Hills Cop together and they just haven't been able to get that right one. And I don't want to do it unless it's right. So just wait till it's right. And I had a couple of times when they've been like, hey, let's do it. And you know it wasn't right, but they'll do it anyway just because the title of it, you know, and pe- there's an expectation so people might come out to see it no matter what it is. But I don't want to do... I've done my share of movies, and I don't want to do movie, <laughs> you know, take a big long break, then come back with a bull movie. <laughs> he just needs a great director... Or something. Like, what is it? What are we, how do we solve this? Uh, I just want him, I mean, I don't feel sorry for him. He's doing just fine, but. I think he's okay. But it's one of those ones where I want his legacy to be strong. I want, I want. It is. I want, it oh, is. Well, it is in my, in my mind. You know what? Jim Carrey is probably similar. It's like that kind of, they just feel a bit undercooked. They got so much potential. Like, of course, there's actors that don't get Oscars and that kind of thing. That's fine. And it's not even about the awards. I think it's more like there's just, I want to see them do some of these roles that we know they can do. Yeah. I mean, Kerry had a bigger crack, I would say, in the yeah. dramatic department. Eternal Sunshine and Truman Show and that kind of thing. Yeah. We need some of those for this guy. Yeah, like, piece. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows, man? Yeah. I think he's okay. He's fine, but I would like to see it. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I would like to see it. He did make some crap. Yeah. The Adventures of Pluto, Nash, and I Spy. So many. And Norbert. Yeah. In the same year. Well, Norbert, so they, and because he did Dreamgirls and he was really good in that. He even had a great song in that as well. He was nominated for an Oscar. And it was the same year as Norbert and one of the other ones you said. Oh, sorry. I just said they weren't the same year. He won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor of the Decade. For, of the decade. Yeah, for those films. It sucks because he's good. You watch this, he's fucking good. Yeah, I wouldn't be too fussed about... Oh, the Razzies, no one cares about the Razzies. People have won an Oscar and a Razzie in the same year. Speaking of Razzies and Oscars, yeah. Yeah. the director of this film, oh, yeah. Martin Brest, yeah. he was nominated for Scent of a Woman. Oh, yeah, for yeah, Best yeah. Picture, Best Director. Yeah. 
and then he bounced over to, I think he might have had one or two in between, and then made Gili. Yeah. And won Worst Everything. Yeah. And that was it. 2003, that was the last of his work. Fuck, and that was a big bad one, right? It's known to be one of the worst movies ever, isn't it? Because it was J-Lo and Ben Affleck as well. Benefer. Benefer. I think he bared the brunt of... Yeah. The rejection of that whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because yeah. otherwise it would be a shit film that no one noticed. But he had all that baggage. He also, he didn't really want to do this movie. Mm. He flipped a coin, literally <laughs> flipped a coin, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. So if that's how he makes all his decisions, that kind of makes sense. So he's kind of like Harvey Dent and or Anton Chigurh. Yeah. Well, that's what we thought of this movie. Uh-huh. What did you guys think? Do we miss anything? Do you disagree with our verdict? Do you not like Aquel Folly? What's your problem? Let us know. Slide into our DMs. Double Impact Podcast on Insta. Double Impact Podcast at gmail.com. What what have we got coming up in the uh, in the chamber here? I think we're gonna hit episode ten soon. I think that means a Van Damme picture's in the works. Yeah, we're gonna hit some Van Damme. I think we might hit some horror as well. Yeah, we need some horror, don't we? We've got a horror. Flick us through some horror. Yeah, what's we some can, horror? Um... We may need to hit up some Disney soon. Maybe uh-huh. some Aladdin. 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 Yep. Prep you up for the uh, re-release. We'll try yeah. and we'll try and do some some rewatches it's pre-re-releases. It appears a few to be a reboot of both Aladdin and Hitch, based on the latest trailer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All well. right. So um, yes, yeah, stay in touch, and we will catch you next week. Bye.